Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of The Film Degree, the podcast where I get to finally put my actual film degree to use. And today, I will be talking about a topic that has been on my mind a lot recently, and I don't think it's being talked about enough, and that is our society's inherent misogyny and hatred for teenage girls, and more specifically, how that has shaped Kristen Stewart's entire career. Now, originally, I was going to have my first episode be horror-themed because hopefully this comes out in early to mid-October, this episode, and I was going to cover the cycles of trends and like the histories within the slasher subgenre because it is a favorite of mine, and I love to talk about horror, and I love to watch it during Halloween time, October. I love it all. But currently, Kristen Stewart is getting Oscar buzz, like a lot of it. She is currently like the front runner to win the Best Actress Award as of right now. And I think it is just a conversation that is really jumping out to me right now. There's a lot of these career redemption arcs for women right now in Hollywood who there should have never been a redemption arc. They should have just always been on top. And I think Kristen Stewart is one of those. She never actually needed a redemption arc. She shouldn't have had one, but she's having one right now. And I'm happy that she's having one because I am a big fan. And this this episode's really going to talk about how women like Kristen Stewart are getting are finally getting these redemption arcs. But before we get into that, I do want to do some small introductions. My name is Patrick, and I got my film degree in Michigan in the middle of a global pandemic. So my only options right now are doing this podcast or becoming Letterbox famous and. Since I only have like 130 followers or something on Letterboxd, podcast it is. (laughs) So I like a wide range of film and genres, and that is really what I want this podcast to be. I want to talk about a very broad range of topics revolving around film. But today's topic, I really need to give a wider context behind the conversation because I can't just talk about Kristen Stewart. You need to know why this conversation is happening. And to start, We really just need to talk about how society hates teenage girls. They always have, and they particularly hate whatever they are interested at the time. Um, I mean, just think about things teenage girls like. They've all been mocked. They continue to be mocked, and they will always be mocked. Twilight, which we're going to talk a lot about. Justin Bieber when he first started. Um... I don't know, Starbucks drinks, literally anything you can think of that a teenage girl has an interest in, it is torn to shreds online, in person, by men, by women, by teenage boys, by all of the above. Um, And a lot of this research that I'm going to be discussing or information I am bringing up was done and written by Laura Moss, who is writing all of this in the context of um, writing about the Twilight spinoff novel called Life and Death, which was a like a gender swap story where like the girl Bella or whatever was the vampire and Edward was the human. Um, so she kind of she brings up this one quote by this man named Paul Johnson. I have no idea who this man is. I think he's like some reporter in 
um, England, Brit Britain, I don't know. I know nothing about Europe. I am so sorry if anyone is listening and is from Europe. I, I know nothing about your, I know nothing about your land, okay? But he was writing for the New Statesman, which was a British political and cultural magazine. And he wrote in 1964 about the fans of the Beatles. And if you don't know, much of the fans were teenage girls. And I find it very interesting that this was written because I did not live in that time, obviously. I was born in 1998. I have actually probably only heard like three Beatles songs. And that is the truth. <laughs> I did see like that one short like film thing they did or whatever, where like all the girls are chasing them through the mall or something for like an editing course I took in college. But when I think of the Beatles, I think they're like the biggest band of all time or something. Like they're so famous and they're so well beloved. And I've actually seen um, grown men question girls when they say they're a fan of the Beatles and like say like they have them prove that they're actual fans of the Beatles. And I never like now that I'm doing this research and reading this quote that I'm about to read, it's very bizarre that something that was that's so beloved now was kind of hated because girls were in love with them at the time. But this random dude, Paul Johnson, wrote, those who flock around the Beatles, who scream themselves into hysteria, whose vacant faces flicker over the TV screen, are the least fortunate of their generation. The dull, the idle, the failures. That's crazy to me. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I never thought that even the Beatles at the time were hated because of teen girls or like these teen girls were hated because they loved the Beatles. I thought everybody loved the Beatles, but you learn something new every day. And I think this like thought process of um, hating things that teenage girls like and their interests is obviously not new because it was being done in 1964. I am know nothing about anything before then, but in today's world in society in the early in the late 2000s we had Justin Bieber a 13 year old kid who released a song and the entire world besides teenage girls tore him to shreds and Twilight which was torn to shreds really if you think of anything that teenage girls are into they're torn to shreds which we'll keep talking about but it's it's something that needs to be pointed out because in Kristen Stewart's case she's connected to this thought this whole thought or movement or whatever to hate teenage girls, which has really always been there and will probably be there forever because girls are mocked for their stereotypically, and then this is in quotes, girly interests. But when they show any interest in something considered, again in quotes, manly, they are instantly tested on their knowledge. Like I said about the Beatles, like you, they need to prove that they are real fans just because men like them so now there's no way that you are a fan of them you there's no way you're just like them because it's trendy or because you like the t-shirt like ask any teenage girl who's ever worn a t-shirt that has a rock band on it if they've ever been quizzed by a man if they actually know the band or they're just wearing the t-shirt it's ugh, it just that it drives me crazy um also, young adult author Carrie Winfrey once told the story of her realizing that she was like the other, when, again in quotes, the other, when reading a book by Chuck 
Klosterman. I don't know who that is, to be honest. No idea. I like did a quick little search of him. It was nonfiction and he looked very straight and no hate to any straight man authors who write nonfiction, but it really does not interest me in the slightest. But she was a fan of him and she said, this is a quote from her. He was talking about hair metal and he said something to the effect that hair metal's decline was due mostly to teenage girls because once teenage girls start liking something, it's over. And then there's another really interesting thing I found upon my research, another example of this, which would be the band Five Seconds of Summer. Again, if you don't know them, they are a band whose main target audience right now or main fan base is young girls and teenage girls. The um, They had that song like a year or two ago. I think it was a year ago. That really big song, Young Blood, I think is what it was called. Don't quote me on that because now I'm not confident in that answer, but it was on the radio constantly. Anyway, even though that this band writes all of their own music and performs all of their own instruments, they are still lumped into the boy band genre, which was made popular by teenage girls who like who loved the band boy bands like NSYNC and um, Backstreet Boys and so on and so forth. And when asked if they were a boy band drummer, Ashton Irwin said, 75% of our lives is proving we're a real band. We're getting good at it now. We don't want to just be like for girls. We want to be for everyone. That's the great mission that we have. I've already seen, I'm already seeing a few male fans start to pop up and that's cool. If the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and all those guys can do it, we can do it too. Hmm. So not only are they not taken seriously because of their young female fan base, but even the drummer, but even the drummer saying that they are not valued as a real band until they get this male fan base, which is starting to pop up. It's, it's just a very, I don't even know. I'm really not that qualified to be talking about this, but which is weird to say because I, I'm doing a podcast on it right now, but Truthfully, I am not the person to be talking about this. I just think people should start thinking about what I'm saying and doing their own research and coming up with their own conclusions. I don't know. I am not qualified to be having this conversation, but I'm trying my best <laughs> because it is a bigger issue. Like it, it just keeps growing, which you'll see. But society has taught us like from the very beginning as children that femininity is weak and that we should be ashamed of it. This doesn't start and end with men either it is con it has conditioned generations of women to internalize this misogyny and created the i'm not like other girls mentality and just further alienates girls and women especially their interest so like when i'm going to be when i start talking about twilight and i am going to read some comments directed towards kristen stewart and well, really all comments directed towards Kristen Stewart. Interestingly enough, a lot of the comments that I'm reading were made by women. It is not just men who are hating on teenage girls. It has grown into everybody hating teenage girls. And I don't know why. I genuinely don't know why. And you know, maybe that's because like I'm super gay and I've always liked what teenage girls liked growing up. So I think they're cool, but... For some reason, society wants to hate on them, wants to shit on them, wants to tear them apart. But I want you to 
I'm going to put a pin in this conversation and talk about another conversation that needs to be had for further context. And that is how absolutely toxic the 2000s were and the like early to mid, well, really all of the 2010s. And hopefully it's getting better now, but we'll see. But mainly the 2000s and their tabloid culture and how much they just annihilated famous women. I think this is really interesting because in the late 90s, we had this um, like Spice Girls girl power movement. And I think that kind of lasted until about 2003. I have two examples of when I think it ended. Or I have an example of when it ended and when I think it started. I think it ended in, after Charlie's Angels 2 Full Throttle came out in 2003. I think that was like the last big piece of media that really pushed this girl power message. And it's not even just like what was in movies like that. It was, I remember growing up, there was always like girl power, like stickers that said girl power. And there was like that flower design, those like doodles. And it was like always in a sticker pack or like on erasers you'd get for school that would say like girl power. Like it was very, very, it, it was a thing. Okay. <laughs> and then I think things started to change in 2003 with the end of Charlie's Angels 2 and then the start of Paris Hilton's sex tape, which leaked in 2003 called One Night in Paris. Suddenly, she was suddenly everywhere and criticized by men and society in general. And you could not turn on the TV without seeing Paris Hilton criticism. You could not walk into a grocery store without seeing her on the covers of magazines in the checkout aisle. And the paparazzi was like nothing, is nothing what it was like back then, like pre social media. Um, I was trying to like, I remember, I think it said in like the, um, one of the Britney Spears documentaries that came out recently. And I think the number was way higher than what I'm going to say, but, um, I was trying to find it, couldn't find it, but I did find something on MTV, um, written in 2008 by MTV. And it said shots of Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, and Britney Spears were selling anywhere from $250 to $100,000 or more for a single shot. $100,000. And I believe it was way more than that when it was said in the documentary. But again, don't quote me on that. I don't want to be just saying something I'm making up in my head, but I'm pretty sure that it, it's more than 100000 And I, whatever. Um, but again, what do you think makes a hundred? thousand dollars it's not a shot of them looking nice and pretty it's a shot of them that they can ridicule them in the tabloids which tabloid culture was insane i think like one of the most one of the shots that sold for the most money by a paparazzi i know for i, I know this i'm pretty sure for a fact but again don't quote me it was um when britney spears shaved her head so that's kind of shows you like what kind of shot they're looking for. Also, I'm sure like there was that those shots of Britney Spears, like up her dress when she was getting out of the car, all that kind of stuff. And she wasn't wearing underwear, made people a year's worth of salary in a night, probably way more than a year's worth of salary. And because you could get like a year's worth of salary or more, more like on the high end, more than what the average American makes in a year. It brought hundreds of people following these women nonstop throughout the day. Hundreds of men at a time screaming and shouting and taking pictures 
of women like Brittany, like Paris, like Lindsay Lohan, and all of them were rooting for their downfall. And so were the magazines. Every, and then so were the consumers. We were all rooting for their downfall. And I remember all of this so vividly because I was obsessed with celebrity culture. I still kind of am, but I was obsessed with it. And growing up and going to the grocery store, like looking at the magazine rack at the checkout aisle was like my favorite thing to do. My favorite pastime. I still love to do it, even though the gossip mags are not as good as what they used to be. And I don't even want to say good. Like I regretfully say they're good because they were so damaging to like these women's lives, but they were like, I hate to say it, they were so entertaining, (laughs) but like you couldn't get, you could not go to like see a magazine and it not be tearing a woman down. I have this like I have very vivid images of my brain, like childhood eyes looking at a magazine rack and every single magazine was just calling Jessica Simpson fat. Like she was on every magazine and they were like, how I lost 27 pounds in five days or my diet's broken or like beached whale on a picture of like her in a bikini or something which i'm not sure if jessica simpson actually had that but i know for a fact that has been said on magazines before for at least other women and i know jessica simpson is always been criticized for her weight which is insane because she's absolutely gorgeous she's talented and provided so much entertainment everyone like who doesn't love the reality show she had with nick lachey where she asked if tuna was chicken it was entertaining but what did um, society do? What did the world do? They hated on her. But what would we do without her? It was fun. Anyway, I'm getting a little carried away. <laughs> but this kind of negative exposure just grew and grew and grew and it led to more and more jokes about them, which just got darker and darker and darker and tended to talk like jokes about killing them or wishing they were dead and the world would be so much better without them. And this just kind of grew more and more and more. And this is actually something that Paris Hilton would later capitalize, um, I believe in 2005, because she did the movie House of Wax, which is so fun. If you're looking for a slasher movie for Halloween time, and you want something that's just a really fun time, I highly recommend House of Wax starring Paris Hilton. But she knew she was getting these comments, people wishing death on her. So what did she do? She sold t-shirts that said, see Paris die on May 6th, which was when the movie released. And she did have a very good death scene in the movie, but she knew what she was doing. She was a smart businesswoman. Interestingly enough, another t-shirt um, was being sold a few years later in 2008 about this time, Britney Spears. And these shirts were sold by Perez Hilton. And I don't want that to be confused with Paris. I'm talking about Perez Hilton, the human slug. He sold t-shirts asking why Britney Spears could not have died instead of Heath Ledger. Now, if you have caught, if you have been like keeping up with everything going on with Britney Spears right now and the Free Britney movement. It is absolutely insane that something like this was going on. Like this t-shirt, like Perez Hilton is the scum of the earth. Everybody knows that. He is absolutely atrocious. He is awful. He is, ugh, disgusting. Clearly, I mean, he was selling stuff like this when Britney was at her lowest, about to be completely... I don't want to get into too much about Britney Spears because this episode isn't about Britney Spears, but yes, 
this is the kind of things that women like Brittany were going through. And this brings me to my next point, that there is a male-female double standard within Hollywood. Obviously, there's like the pay um, double standard. There's, there's everything. We know there's a double standard, but specifically I'm talking about, unfortunately, their deaths. So famous men like Heath Ledger, Mac Miller, and Philip Seymour Hoffman, and most recently, unfortunately, Michael K. Williams died from drug overdoses, and it was rightfully treated as a tragedy. And it it really opened up conversations about addiction, especially with um, Michael K. Williams. I know it did because that was so recent, happened like a couple weeks ago. And I have seen it on Twitter, how it's been brought up and how he was kind of forced into this headspace while doing, I believe it was the show The Night Of with Riz Ahmed. I, I'm not sure, but he, he did play a drug addict in that. And I think it kind of, the conversation was brought back how he did not receive um, health care after with like mental health care after he had to go back in that place as a already an addict so un- unfortunately those men have passed but again their deaths were treated as tragedy but now i want you to think about women like whitney houston anna nicole smith and amy winehouse who all died from drug addiction the world instantly started making jokes about them and continues to make jokes about them, especially Wendy Houston, who is always like portrayed as this like crazy crackhead lady when she was, a, she was a person. And not only was she a person, she was, she is one of the most talented artists of all time. That is without a doubt. And it's like the world just forgets that these women are people that these, that we've been fans of these women, that they deserve respect And they have just trashed them constantly and they continue to. And I just think about, I just think about this for a minute. Why is Anna Nicole Smith treated any differently than Heath Ledger? Why is Whitney Houston treated any different than Philip Seymour Hoffman? The media did not tear these men apart after their deaths, but you know who continuously gets torn apart and made fun of? Demi Lovato. Now, I I believe it was 2018, maybe 19, when Demi Lovato had their um, most recent drug overdose from heroin, I believe. And Demi was like in the hospital fighting for their life, like having strokes. And as soon as the information got out that they were rushed to the hospital and were having an overdose, memes were being uploaded to Twitter. They were being uploaded to Facebook. Everyone was making jokes about Demi Lovato overdosing. And I actually, I did look up these memes because they're really not hard to find. You can find them on Google Images and I was going to talk about them, but I decided that it's best to not talk about them. They don't need to be discussed any further. They're really disgusting. And yeah, they don't need to be discussed. But if you want to see kind of what I'm talking about, you can easily find them because they're everywhere and they continue to be pushed out there whenever anything about Demi comes out, any sort of news, any project, any song. And it's really gross. And again, I just want you to think about why are these women being treated differently than these men when they have the same circumstances? Some of them, I would say, some of these women were exploited beyond belief. Anna Nicole Smith was exploited by America 
it led to her addiction. She died a very tragic death. So did her son. Like, what what was it? Like a week, um, a week difference between their deaths. And then everyone laughed at her. Everyone was laughing at her during her life. And her life was incredibly sad. I don't know if anyone watched the Anna Nicole Smith show. I did. Um, I didn't watch it when it was on because I was a child, but I did watch it later on. And it is, it's weird watching it because clearly this woman is strung out of her mind, absolutely needing help. And everyone around her is enabling it because she makes great TV. Is Anna Nicole Smith hilarious? Yes, of course Anna Nicole Smith is hilarious. But she needed help. Nobody helped her. We exploited her. And then she died and we continued to make fun of her. I don't see jokes about Philip Seymour Hoffman. I don't see jokes about Heath Ledger. I don't see jokes about Mac Miller. Mac Miller trends all the time. Like every anniversary of his death or anytime something comes out, he's trending and people are talking about how sad they are that he passed, how devastating it was, how his music changed their lives. But you don't see that conversation happening about Wayne Houston. You don't see it happening with Amy Winehouse, who is a musical genius as well. And it's not even saying, oh, it's sad because they were so talented. It's sad because they're people, but I don't know. I could go on and on and on about that forever. But I just wanted to bring that up, that there is this crazy double standard when it comes to women and men, especially within this context. But to move on, thankfully, because of the Free Britney movement and Megan Fox's like huge resurgence she's had in the last like year or two, the world is really starting to reflect on how we have treated these women. And the list of women we have torn apart throughout the 2000s and 2010s goes far beyond what I'm about to list off. But some of the big names that were affected by this misogynistic mentality and abuse, and ones that without a doubt, deserve apologies from society are, like I said, Britney Spears, Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, as well as Megan Fox, Nicole Ritchie, Misha Barton, Janet Jackson, Jessica Simpson, Taylor Swift, Rebecca Black, Snooki, <laughs> and even Kristen Stewart. And if anyone wants to see the type of tabloid material that these women had written about them, I highly recommend the Tumblr account Pop Culture Died in 2019. They have like this huge archive of tabloids throughout the 2000s, and it's insane to look at these tabloids in the context of 2021. Like the fact that these were published, like I, it's insane. It's insane that things could like were able to fly at that time, which it wasn't even that long ago. Um, but I wasn't going to originally talk about this, but I all of a sudden had this huge urge to talk about it. And that is Taylor Swift. Um, Taylor Swift has been labeled a lot of things by the general public, like a slut, like whatever. She go- she gets around, she dates all these men, then just uses them for songs. But if you look at her, like actual, like who she's written these songs about, there's she hasn't, there's not that many people. Like I guarantee you, if I ask anyone on the street, how high their body count is, it's higher than the amount of men Taylor Swift has written a song about. But again, with this double standard, I want to bring up John Mayer, who I'm sure he's really talented. I honestly don't know a single song from him. I know of him. I He kind of just annoys me. 
which was is just a personal preference. I just find him annoying. I don't like male pop stars. I find they don't have to try very hard like women do, and they don't put in as much effort within stage presence-wise and costuming and performance. Like a man could just go on stage and wear a t-shirt and jeans and get a standing ovation for whatever performance he just did. But uh, I mean, like women like Beyonce and Lady Gaga and Katy Perry and Kesha and Christina Aguilera and so forth, they don't have that luxury. If they just wore a t-shirt and jeans, I don't know. They would be, they would, it's not the same. It's not the same. But about John Mayer, he has the same lyrical content that Taylor Swift does, but he has He's been doing this way long. He's been doing this longer than Taylor Swift, I believe. Oh my God. Don't quote me on that. I really, I'm not, I don't know him that well, but you don't see him labeled the same things that Taylor Swift is. So again, it's just, there is this mentality, but again, I wasn't going to talk about that. So this is kind of a weird transition now, but I do want to talk about Kristen Stewart. So now we have our context and now we are going to talk about Kristen Stewart's career. So she was born in into two parents who were already in the business. Her father, John, was a stage manager and producer, and her mother, Jules, was a script supervisor. Being raised in um, a family who work in the the entertainment industry as non-actors, Stuart thought she would become a screenwriter or director. But at the time of recording this episode, Stuart has had a 20-year acting career, which to me kind of sounds crazy because, I don't know, I, I mean, she's always been around in my life. She started, well, you'll, you're about to see, she had her first like movie, movie role in 2001. So in my life, she was always around. So it seems like to me, but also it just doesn't sound that long. Like thinking back, it doesn't seem like she's been around that long, but she's been around basically my entire life. So um, she had, she started her career, her professional career with two uncredited extra roles in a, in one in a Disney Channel movie, um, the 13th year, which was that. Um, movie where the 13 year old kid turned into a merman and then as well as the Flintstones Viva Rock Vegas but she had her first actual role in 2001 in the film The Safety Objects and then immediately had her first big break in the following year in David Fincher's 2002 film Panic Room where she co-starred with Jodie Foster, Jared Leto, and Forrest Whitaker. I love Panic Room. This might be controversial. I'm not sure. I I'm not I'm not sure what um the David Lynch or not David Lynch. I am a huge fan of David Lynch. He's one of my favorite filmmakers of all time, but I'm not sure what the David Fincher fans would say about this. But I think Panic Room is like in my top three Fincher movies, maybe in top two. Um I love Panic Room. I love any sort of thriller that stars a older prestigious actress such as um Jodie Foster who I love Jodie Foster but again I'm getting ahead of myself um the movie was a huge success and it grossed over like 200 million dollars and it earned um Stuart her first young artist award nomination which she I think was nominated like three or four more times after that which I think were all before pre-Twilight um, so after Panic Room, Stewart would go on to do films like Cold Creek Manor, Catch That Kid, Speak, Zathura, The Messengers, Into the Wild, and the one and only Twilight. And by the time Twilight came out, Kristen had already been an established actress. Between Panic Room and Twilight, she had 14 films under her belt from the years 2003 to 2008. 
she she's been at work like she has an established career at this point but when twilight came out it would be a cultural phenomenon spawning four novels and five films i really don't need to explain that but it was huge it still is huge, but the first film was directed by Catherine Hardwick, which maybe I'll do a Twilight episode because I genuinely think the first Twilight movie is pretty, it's a very well-made movie, in my opinion. I think it is very fun and yeah, I mean, it's a movie based on a YA novel. Of course, it's fun. People are, ugh, people are so annoying. Anyway, but it grossed, the first movie alone grossed over $400 million and I think the second one like doubled that. But the entire film series as a whole grossed $3.3 billion at the box office. And the film sent Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson into the A-list immediately. Actually, in 2012, when the final Twilight film was released, Kristen Stewart was the highest paid actress of the year with an estimated amount of $34.5 million made that year alone. Crazy. That is absolutely crazy. I can't even imagine having that much money, let alone in one year. And I'm sure actors and actresses have made more since then and before then, but like that number is astronomical to me. And I think at the year, she only had like two or three movies that came out that year, which would have been The Last Twilight. And I think Snow White and the Huntsman also came out in 2012, which I don't know how much that made, but it was a big blockbuster. Um, but with that being said, how could something so popular and successful be so hated? Think about it. What is wrong with Twilight? Nothing. People just hate it because one, they're misogynistic and two, they hate teenage girls. Honestly, Ask your local teenage girl if they feel like they're being hated on. They're going to say yes. I already know. You don't even have to ask them anymore because you already have your answer. But Twilight was hated so much for the simple reason that teenage girls loved it. And you could not go on the internet for years without seeing Twilight fat or Twilight hate. And I don't think you, you still can't go on the internet without grown-ass people who still have not gone off the trendy hate train still hating on it. It's insane. I shouldn't get so heated over talking about the movie Twilight, but I do because this is just, it's crazy to me. And I don't know if I'm like explaining this well enough or I have enough research in it to fully explain how, just how hated these movies were. But I do have a little personal story that I want to tell. And it was um, right before or maybe like it just released when New Moon came out, the sequel to Twilight. So it would have been 2009 and I would have been, um, I think 11. I think I was 11. And I was so excited to see the new Twilight. And obviously I was excited. I mean, I enjoyed the first one and it was like the big trendy series at the time. So obviously my 11 year old self was really excited for it. So I had plans with my best friend at the time and I to go to go see new moon in theaters my mom was going to take us (laughs) oh my god that is so weird I totally forgot about the time when like my my mom would come to the movies with me and my friends (laughs) anyway so I was telling my friends at school that I was going to go see it and without skipping a beat 
my teacher like immediately started mocking me for seeing for wanting to see twilight um and he was and this was in front of the entire class like he said it in front of everyone everyone was staring at me when he was saying these things but he told me that i could not go see twilight because it was for girls and he also said he's this question like really stuck with me like the way he said it the way it was directed at me he just said what are you a girl or something and he didn't do this just once by the way he did this twice actually um the second was in front of some other adults which was including my mother and immediately when he started talking i was so embarrassed that i just turned around and walked away and as i was leaving i i heard him say that like from the doorway or whatever when i passed that he was proud of me for not fighting back because most like boys my age would or something which what the hell i was 11 years old and he was 60 something which he was an asshole anyway i have so many stories about him maybe i'll talk about him again on this podcast i don't know i don't care and i don't know why i didn't say anything um but i think that and i am very much a person who does fight back in everything but the reason i didn't i think was because at the time i was obviously a closeted kid and it very much felt like this personal and homophobic attack um which is interesting because a lot of homophobia made by men directed towards other men is rooted in misogyny because something i've learned throughout my life that homophobic men see me as a woman and they treat me how they treat women which is less than them so yes i think a lot of homophobia is rooted in misogyny (sighs) but my point with this story is just to show the general attitude towards twilight from anyone who is not a teenage girl like the hate had little to no critical value and was just because it was trendy to hate on it i don't even think these people have seen every twilight movie i don't i'm sure people were hating on it who have never seen twilight in their life um but twilight screenwriter melissa rosenberg said in 2012 this is her quote we've seen more than our fair share of bad action movies geared towards men or 13 year old boys and you know the reviews are like okay that was crappy but a fun ride but no one says oh my god if you go see this movie you're a complete fucking idiot and that's the tone that is the tone in which people attack twilight and i 100 percent agree with her that it, i don't know maybe i just like really i don't know if other people saw this like people who weren't into twilight but i was so like i saw it it was crazy it was torn to shreds and really for no reason. I don't think the people have seen the movie and the people who criticize Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart later on and during, I don't think they've ever seen a single one of their movies outside of Twilight. Like I said, Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson were being um, attacked and they probably suffered the most. But unlike Robert, Kristen is still dealing with this problem. Um, You cannot open an article of Kristen Stewart without comments reading like this which i did take some these are from an article from the other day um about the movie spencer which she's getting oscar buzz for so it's a little bizarre um one comment says this looks terrible it looks like the acting from twilight all over again 
Another one says, looks like a boy in a wig. Kristen Stewart does not exude elegance. She does not seem sweet or shy or vulnerable. Another one says, Kristen Stewart and Best Actress do not belong in the same sentence together. Another one says, first COVID-19, now this. How much more tragedy are we supposed to endure? Another one says, what a joke. Another one says, they could not find a better actress. Another one, I have a lot of them, but another one says, why would they do that to the princess? I mean, even in death, she has suffered so much, and now you're going to have her play her in the movie? Why? And finally, she is probably the worst actress in Hollywood, which I I was going to mention this later, but I want to mention it now. that These comments are happening right now, but in, oh, Jesus, what year? I think 2016 was when the movie came out. Clouds of Sils Maria came out. And Kristen Stewart became the first American actress to ever win a Caesar Award, which is the French equivalent of the Oscar, if you're not familiar with it. And she's only the second American to ever win that award, which I think she won it for like Best Supporting Actress or something for Clouds of Sils Maria, which she's great in, by the way. If you want to see a great movie with Kristen Stewart, I recommend Clouds of Sils Maria. It's not for everyone. It's pretty intellectual. I recently just watched it and I feel like my brain was a little too smooth and mushy to really understand everything it was trying to say, but it it is a very fascinating movie. Um, but again, it is not for everyone. But to continue with this Kristen Stewart conversation, I also looked up what people wrote about Kristen Stewart in Urban Dictionary. Now, I only recently found out that people would actually write definitions to famous people on Urban Dictionary. And if you don't know what Urban Dictionary is, it's just like... Um, like a dictionary for slang terms and stuff like that. But they apparently make people write definitions for celebrities. Now, these ones are all about Kristen Stewart, obviously, because that's who I'm talking about. Um, But it says, one of them says, a ridiculously overrated actress who seems to get away with playing all of her characters the exact way. Dull, boring, lifeless. Another one says, sadly, a rising star in these dark times for choosing terrible new actors. I don't know what that means, but that doesn't make sense. I might have written that wrong, but sorry. In all of her movies, she either acts as a spoiled brat that you want to punch in the face or some emo chick that you still want to punch in the face. Another one says an extremely untalented, self-possessed, annoying, snackle-toothed celebrity that is most known for playing the role of Bella Swan in Twilight. And my personal, and this is my personal favorite, useless, ugly pile of white trash who horribly portrays Bella Swan in the movie Twilight. Offset, she excessively smokes pot and crosses her eyes, makes bad choices like getting a black mullet to make her look like a man. On set, she is a dumb he-she who gets to kiss Robert Panson and Taylor Lautner. Also, excessively crosses her eyes. Be careful when talking to her. She has an atrocious stutter and does not make straight eye contact. So I want to break that one down a little bit, just a little bit. First of all, what the fuck are they talking about crossing her eyes? I have yet to see Kristen Stewart cross her eyes. Is that a thing? I don't know. But the thing about the black mullet, she did that when she portrayed Joan Jett in the movie The Runaways, which I also just watched. I watched a few Kristen Stewart movies to kind of prepare myself for this episode. And I watched The Runaways, Clouds of Sils Maria, and Cafe Society. And she's great in all three of them. 
And I highly recommend The Runaways. And Joan Jett, like, applauded Kristen Stewart's performance. It's a great performance. It's a great movie. And she looks really cool with Joan Jett's supposed black mullet. But this, like, sent, like, this whole, in quotes, definition of Kristen Stewart is basically the kind of stuff that was constantly thrown at Kristen Stewart, that is still thrown at Kristen Stewart. And there is no other reason for it to be out there other than people just hate what teenage girls like and she's known for Twilight and we're just misogynistic anyway. But now let's talk about her post-Twilight career. Um, She continues to get these types of comments like this even after um, leaving blockbusters like Twilight and Snow White and the Huntsman because she and Robert actually decided to they have very similar careers they will always be linked together because of Twilight but they are linked because their careers are so similar they both started doing like indie movies where um, they both have gotten critical acclaim they're both fantastic actors they're two of the best actors working that are in their generation along with um, people like Jennifer Lawrence, Lupita Nyong'o, uh, I'm kind of drawing a blank, but they're up there. And, um, they do roles that are just kind of like, because they can, they, like I said, what, what was the price that Kristen Stewart made in 2012? Let me go back in my notes. She made $34.5 million in 2012 alone. And she gets, like, royalties and stuff from Twilight. She, Miss Girl is set for life. Robert Panson is set for life. They can do whatever they want to do. And they choose very interesting projects. And they kind of just do it just to do it now because it's what they love doing. Um, and like I said, Kristen has had, she has a Caesar Award. Like, they both have been critically acclaimed. Um, but she, after Twilight, did movies like, um, Clouds of Sils Maria, Cafe Society, Personal Shopper, Still Alice and Camp X-Ray, just to name a few. And she has returned to Blockbusters, um, once with 2019's Charlie's Angels, which I'm a huge Charlie's Angels fan. I'm a huge fan of the original series. I'm a huge fan of the two movies in 2000 and 2003. And you know what? I'm even a fan of the, what was it? 2014 um, reboot show they try to do on ABC with Minka Kelly and Rachel Taylor. I just love Charlie's Angels. Did I love Charlie's Angels 2019 directed by, um, oh, what's her name? Elizabeth, Elizabeth Banks. Did I enjoy the Charlie, or did I love Charlie's Angels 2019 directed by Elizabeth Banks? No. I liked it. I thought it was fun. I think it needed a red pen on its script. But I will say, Kristen Stewart is the best she has ever been in Charlie's Angels. She's great. If anyone is going to try and say that Kristen Stewart has one expression, because they often say that because they've only seen Twilight, where she played a depressed teenager, I would say watch Charlie's Angels, because she is so charismatic having the time of her life in that movie and everything she does in that movie is worth the watch. That movie could have been incredible. 
It wasn't. But Kristen Stewart was incredible. And I highly recommend watching it. It is just a fun movie to watch. Like on a Saturday when you have nothing else better to do. It's a fun action movie. But she also did in 2020 Underwater, which is a awesome creature feature, um, which is set underwater. She has a shaved head. She looks incredible. I also recommend that. Um, and now she is the front runner for the Oscar next year for best actress in a leading role in Spencer, where she's playing Princess Diana. But still, the general public is leaving her comments like the ones I just read off. But Robert, who had a similar career as Kristen and was in Twilight, he was the other person in it. And he did movies like Good Time, The Lighthouse and Tenet. And people could not be more excited for him for Batman. He doesn't get these comments that Kristen gets. Everyone's excited for Batman. So why are we still writing these comments like the ones I read above for Kristen Stewart in Spencer? I, you'll never get an answer. I mean, the answer is that people are just, again, it all leads back to society's hatred for teenage girls. And again, I don't know if I explained that well enough. I'm not that qualified to even talk about it, but I did talk about it. Um, and that's kind of what I have to say about Kristen Stewart. I'm so happy that she's getting this redemption arc that again, shouldn't have been necessary. And a lot of women right now, most notably, like I said, Britney Spears and Megan Fox are also getting it um, right now. They're reevaluating Jennifer's body. They're reevaluating how she was treated um, in her Transformers days and when she was fired from Transformers 3. And Britney is finally getting free. And it is a conversation that we are starting to have. And we're looking back at the culture that we were putting out there. So hopefully, Kristen Stewart gets the same treatment, and she can prove everyone else wrong because she is an amazing actress who proved herself all the way back in 2002's A Panic Room. Or Panic Room. Like, she doesn't, after that, she didn't need to prove herself anymore, but she continues to have to when her male counterpart, Robert Pattinson, does not have to do that. <sighs> I'm, like, sweating right now. I'm kind of heated. It's hot in this room that I'm recording in. But I do want to end off the Kristen Stewart conversation with a quote taken from David Cronenberg, um, who is directing Kristen in a movie right now called Crimes of the Future. He said, she's fantastic. She truly is a wonderful actress. And I had no idea quite how brilliant she was until I was directing her. We were very lucky to get her and very excited to get her. She's fantastic. She has a scene with Viggo Mortensen that will knock your socks off. A wonderful cast, fantastic location. I've seen it, he's talking about Spencer, because just yesterday I did an hour conversation with her for a publication called Document Journal. So we got to talk after not seeing each other since she left the production, Crimes of the Future, and that was really lovely to do. It was great. So in anticipation of that, they asked if I would like to see Spencer. I watched it and she really is terrific. And it's really a beautiful, beautifully nuanced performance. The first time I met Kristen was on the set of Cosmopolis. I don't know how to pronounce this. Cosmopolis. Cosmopolis. I apologize, David Cronenberg. Um, in Toronto. And she was visiting the set because at the time she was Robert Pattinson's girlfriend coming from Twilight developed into a really phenomenal performers, both of them. 
So yeah, that's my conversation about Kristen Stewart and Hollywood and how we treat women and how we treat teenage girls. So really, I should just end this whole conversation with saying, let teenage girls enjoy what they enjoy. Not everything is for you. Stop treating women celebrities how we've been treating them since the beginning of time. Treat them with respect. Treat them like humans. And that's what I got to say. That's it. But thank you for listening. I should have said that. Thank you for listening to The Film Degree. I hope this turned out well because I I did record this actually yes, last night. Um, and I, I didn't have an outline and my brain was so jumbled. I was jumping all over the place and I don't think it made sense. And I'm scared. I kind of forgot something in this one. So I hope, I hope everything was coherent. I hope I made my point across. I don't know. I'm, I'm a very anxious person. I don't know. But next time, hopefully next week, I am a college student. I am getting my master's right now unfortunately in human resource because I don't know what to do with film besides again besides this podcast um so I'm getting my master's right now so I am very busy I am actually in the middle of launching another podcast with one of my friends his name is Shane and it is also about film it's called cult status where we kind of reevaluate films that probably weren't as well received when they came out um we recorded an episode I would hope we can get it out. I hope we can do the show. So if that's out by the time this is, you should listen to that. Um, you should follow me on Letterboxd. My name on le- on there is just Patrick Wright. It's my first and last name. Um, you spell it with a W, W-R-I-G-H-T. I watch movies pretty regularly. I watch a wide range of movies. Um, so follow me on there. Um... Oh, but I was, I think I just lost my turn of thought while talking. Next time, which is hopefully next week, I do want to talk about slasher movies. I want to talk about the trends. I want to talk about the history of it. So look forward to that during October, as well as maybe another one I'm thinking of. I don't know how it will work yet. I'm thinking of doing like a March Madness style um, episode with slasher movies so we'll see how that comes out but um thank you guys for listening if you listened probably my three friends that i'm forcing to listen to this but thank you for listening and i hope that you come back for the next episode and i hope that i made sense in everything i said okay thanks bye